Don't miss out on the latest news and events in your community. Visit StarLocalMedia.com today. Sign up for our newsletter and stay informed on all the latest stories affecting your neighborhood. And if you're a local business owner, let us help you reach your target audience with our effective advertising solutions. Visit StarLocalMedia.com and take the first step towards staying connected to your community. Welcome to another episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast. My name is Matt Welch, being joined by Devin Hassan and David Wolman. It is 11.03 on a Monday morning, and there might be a wasp inside our conference when we're recording this. So if Devin has to step off frame at any juncture throughout the podcast, you you know why. You've been warned. So, <laughs> uh, so yes, guys, we're here. I'm recording on a Monday. We're here to talk about the happenings from week two in high school football, mostly for our, uh, our 5A and 6A high schools. A very fascinating week. We had some teams making their debuts for the season. We had some teams wrapping up non-district play, already getting ready for district. We had some teams that didn't even get to play. Um, lots of different storylines to touch on from a, a very fascinating week, too. Um, so we can um, we can start with, you know what, as far as um, one of those teams making its debut, we can talk a little bit about Saxy to kick this off. It's been a, it was a very fascinating week in Garland ISD, which we can obviously get to, you know, after when we look at Saxy in their opener against uh, against Capel fell a little short against the Cowboys, but it was another entertaining installment in the uh, in the ongoing non district rivalry between the two schools. Uh, David, you were out there, yep. so what was um what was kind of your biggest takeaway from getting to see these two teams in action? Well, these two teams got some very good offenses. Yes, uh, like almost twelve hundred yards of offense between these two teams mm. right here, over five hundred yards in the first half. It, it's just back and forth the whole game. You know, a penalty here, a penalty here, and then. Crazy enough, in a game where you have over 1,100 yards, it's a, it's a late defensive play that decides the game right mm-hmm. there. Where um, uh, they uh, Capel sends a twist uh, on its uh, defensive pressure right there, gets a force on the uh, quarterback, causes a fumble, and then uh, the Capel gets a, a fumble recovery to end the game. Mm-hmm. So it was just it was just one of those games that you knew was going to come down to the end. And uh, I remember even talking post game with uh, Coach Mike DeWitt at uh, Capel. He said that. You know, like during the third quarter, uh, they they had fourth and goal at the one yard line, and the field goal was never in question because you know he said this this game's far from over right here. Even if we kick a field goal and we're up by ten points, this game's going to come down to the wire, like just like it has the last two years where it's been decided by a combined five points. So he just knew that you just, he had to keep the foot on the pedal the whole game. Yeah. Capel now uh, now two and zero two and zero to start the season. Yep. Their uh, their bounce back campaign is off to a very very nice start. Mm-hmm. Um, you just you see the impact that um, getting a player like KJ Liggins has on that oh. offense, and just the it's just a dimension that they just didn't have last season. With I mean, obviously all the attention that Anthony Black commands, and now you've got a guy on the other end yeah. who's just as devastating. Um, what did you say? What you what you think about his performance? Uh, this this kid's going to get at least first team all district if he continues up this mm-hmm. right there. Maybe even some all state honorable mention. Mm-hmm. Like 
not, not only the way that he creates separate rushing right there, but just his hands, the way that catches look so effortless right there. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, one of his touchdowns, like it bounced off like a, like a Saxe defender, and then he just stood in place and just like looked, located the ball, and it was just like he knew he was going to c- come in that direction right there towards him. So he, it seems like he's just like, oh, like it's just everything's around him is like moves very slowly, and like mm-hmm. he's so calm in the situation. Okay. Which um, impressions on Saxe? You know, it was their first yeah. game, got a new quarterback. Um, yeah. Alex Orja sounds like he put up some video oh. game esque numbers. <laughs> oh. Yeah, it was it was it was it was definitely a video. It was definitely a Madden football game right mm-hmm. there. Uh, he he was like just from the get go. I mean, you don't like in these games right there where you have a first year quarterback. It's your first year game. Obviously, you don't know how the nerves and just like you know adjusting to new offenses is, is going to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's the transfer from Bishop Dunn, like uh, Devin was talking about before we got on air here. Uh, he he was just impressive right from the get go. Um, on the second play from uh, scrimmage from, from their first possession, mm-hmm. um, I thought he was going to run to his left but you know he just moved a couple of like feet to his left and like all of a sudden like you know he faked out the defense and just threw a deep ball right there for a 70 for a 77 yard touchdown mm-hmm. on his very first pass right there and it was just an incredible then and just like the way he manipulates the defense and even when he's not passing like the way he fit you know runs the, the zone read right there mm-hmm. like you know you think he's gonna run but then he's gonna pass so um like i said he had that long touchdown pass on that first one and then later in the game he he's, he's a really fast quarterback this oh, kid's yeah. got some really breakaway speed mm-hmm. like uh he he ran he ran uh, straight ahead and then he just he just outran the capel defense like there's just nobody who's going to catch him so very very impressed with this kid it was a fascinating week in Garland ISD. Yeah, football, Devin. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, well, Saxy. Let me say this. Um, you know, we talked last week about uh, good losses. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, games where you come up a little short, but you learn a lot about your team. Um, I think, without a doubt, Saxy can walk away from this game uh, with that feeling. They returned one starter on defense, um, going up against a a Coppell team that that returned a lot of starters and mm-hmm. had a game under its belt, yeah. um, and they outgained it by a hundred yards. The, the offense. Speaking of the offense. You look at uh, what they had, you know, Parker Wells, who we've talked about. He split time last year as the quarterback at Sacks. He transferred to Allen, or I guess he's playing some linebackers. He's playing some safety, safety, actually. Okay, yeah, yeah. Safety. He I had thought, an interception in the game I, that's Friday. I, I saw the highlight of that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Sean Coleman was a 1,000-yard rusher who mm-hmm. was expected to be their kind of bell cow this year. Well, he transferred to Dallas Christian. Well, Jay Fair and Jordan Neighbors, two of their top receivers, are now at Rockwell Heath. Mm-hmm. All they've done is catch 23 passes for 438 yards and four touchdowns in two weeks. So you're looking at, you know, three, potentially four starters that would have been there that have transferred elsewhere. So it's kind of in this weird transfer world we live in Then Alex Orgy, you know, mm-hmm. in this, comes in and, you know, the, the coach has sent me his official numbers. He throws for 335 yards, rushes for 185 <laughs> yards. So only 520 yards and four touchdowns in his debut. <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, Jaden Hunter and Elijah Ames both went over 100 yards receiving. So it looks like they've kind of stepped into those mm-hmm. roles that, uh, you know, in a, in a spot where Sexy really didn't have anybody. Anyway, I talked about Brian Okoye being capable of filling Sean Coleman's uh, shoes. He averaged nearly nine yards of carry. Uh, Corey Jones was another option in the backfield. So it looks like Saxe's been able to reload on offense. Again, I mentioned the one returning starter on defense. 
Um, they have room to grow. Uh, obviously, they always have talent out there. But just by that performance, they're going to be a force to be reckoned with. Love to see what we're going to see what, see what they're going to do this Friday. But alas, their game with Rowlett, um, the sex game Rowlett has generally been the game to look at mm-hmm. uh, the last few years. And that 10 6 especially when the GIC scrolls are, are concerned. But uh, as we t- talked about last week, I think briefly, uh, Rowlett uh, had a COVID case, positive case. So not only was last week's game against Plano uh, canceled, uh, but their game against Saxe was postponed. Um, the rest of uh, 10 6 gets started this week, so mm-hmm. we'll at least get a glimpse at, uh, at there. Uh, but Saxe and Rowlett has been uh, rescheduled. And this is what's kind of curious about what uh, 10-6-A did. You know, every district. You mean 9-6-A? 9-6-A, yeah. sorry. <laughs> you, you know I was going to do it several times. <laughs> yeah, it's, oh, yeah, throwing me a loop here. Yeah. Um, but what they did, uh, I mean, every district has kind of come up with their own uh, way of looking at uh, potential COVID postponements, cancellations. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think some have even declared forfeits, you know, which I don't think is a, is a right way to do it. Uh, but it's, it's all been a work in progress because it's an unprecedented deal. Well, what Carl and ISD, or I should say 96A, uh, did is they basically allowed for two bye weeks during the season. Okay. So the week of October 29th and 30th was a bye week, and then the final week of the season, which I guess is December 3rd and 4th, is, is an open week. So Rowlett and Saxe naturally just got slid back into that October 30th date. Uh, the other thing they did is they grouped their district into two pods. So you have a pod with Rowlett, Saxe, Garland, and North Garland in one pod. Okay. And then you have Lakeview South, Naaman, and Wiley in the other pod. Now, these pods all play each other the first three weeks of the season in an effort to determine seating between them. So if there is some kind of lengthy postponement – in you know late or in November or whatnot, what they'll do is they'll basically seed these teams in the final week of the regular season based on how many how many games they got in, and they'll basically get playoff games. So out of those pods, one will play four, two will play three, okay. and the winners of those games will determine the four playoff teams going forward. So it's just kind of an interesting concept, an interesting spin. Um, as everybody's trying to come up with their own way of doing things, you know, figure things out. That's the way that Nine Six A has been able to do, and it's interesting. Hopefully, it won't come to that. Hopefully, we'll get everything played. And we'll be able to uh, determine playoff teams the right way. But just in case, there is a contingency plan as far as uh, 96A is concerned. We'll see it again. Because uh, uh, early on, at least, we had what, I guess, in the in the Dallas area total, there were, I mean, what, 15 to 20 games that wound up getting canceled last week, at least ones in our coverage area. You not only had Plano Rowlett fall through the cracks, you had Hebron with its non-district game against Arlington Martin. That one got canceled, not because of any positive COVID cases within the football program at Hebron, but they, um, you know, they did have to quarantine some kids who had come into contact with other students in the school who um, who were tested positive. So, um, you know, so I guess the uh, the plan is they're supposed to play Thursday against Northwest Eaton, and I guess um, Coach Brazel has talked about perhaps having to use a few more uh, players on both sides of the ball and train his kids to play multiple positions just to prevent a situation like this from, uh, you know, from them having to, you know, cancel another game or whatnot going forward. Because, I mean, you just you look at early on kind of the, uh, at least kind of the, the trends that are emerging. Did you see the wasp, David? Is I did see the wasp, yeah, sorry. <laughs> Devin's <Okay>. ready. <laughs> it's locked and loaded. Then, um, but you've also now seen kind of at the private school level some of the early returns here. And a team like Prestonwood Christian, they've now had their second district game <laughs> in as many district games fall through the cracks. Their opener against All Saints last week, that got canceled. And then this week against John Paul II, a game that I was looking forward to actually going to cover, 
that's now not going to happen <laughs> either. So TAPS bylaws, if you can't reschedule the game, it just goes down as a no contest. So um, I need to, you know, kind of get with uh, with Coach Cunningham at Prestwood just to kind of see what that means when you, st- when you start getting into actually having to weigh, like, you know, seating and whatnot in the playoffs and just what exactly a no contest actually amounts to relative to a win or a loss and just how the uh, how they're going to kind of sort this out because, I mean, yeah, they're 0 for 2 right now on getting district ball games in. And it's just, I don't know, it's it's turning into, it's getting a little a little crazy as far as kind of how to get that all settled there over in, uh, over in TAPS. So I'm um, just kind of fascinated though just to see how it all materializes because, again, it's just week two, but you're already seeing, you know, a lot of a lot of football games already falling through the cracks. Um, as far as districts that do begin this week, though, we have um, some action in Frisco is going to take on some extra significance with um, with 758 Division II, um, that with the, uh, you know, some of the smaller Frisco schools plus schools like Lovejoy and Lake Dallas and whatnot. We can talk a little bit about leading into that. So I think that when we um, when we were doing our, uh, our, our basically our season preview series of podcasts and we were talking about with, um, who we kind of fancied as some of the top defenses in our coverage area, we mentioned the, you know, the mainstays, the Allens, the Lone Stars. I don't think the name Frisco came <laughs> up. Frisco High, the Raccoons, and so far they are um, they are making a case as the best defense that's in our coverage area. They held Independence to 14 points. Didn't think that was possible. Didn't think it was possible for any defense to hold Independence to that to that kind of output. And then they followed up this week with a 31 to zero shutout of Reedy. So they have now just whitewashed. Um, at least defensively, they've whitewashed two playoff teams from last season. And I mean, they're just, yeah, that side of the ball is just making it look so impressive. I mean, against Reedy, just 221 yards allowed, two and a half yards per carry. They couldn't get anything going on the ground. They won the turnover battle four to zero. They've now, um, I believe they, uh, they've created two turnovers in the opener against independence. I mean, yet, you, you know, Drew Johnson had an interception, Chase Lowry forced a fumble and, um, he had an interception the week before against independence. And that's just what he does on the defensive side of the ball. He's a monster on offense. He had 127 receiving yards and a touchdown against Reedy, and then he's obviously a, a big weapon in special teams as well. They look awesome so far. They look great. Um, Devin, I don't know if you had seen any numbers that jumped out from that uh, that Frisco-Reedy game that you know kind of caught your eye, but man, Frisco's defense has just been on another level to begin the season. Yeah, I mean, I, I, mean, I, I had this, the same numbers that jumped out, but what that defense does, it, it allows the offense to not have to press, mm-hmm. to be more methodical. You know, Curry Green, you know, he attempted just nine passes, but it allows them to pick their spots. I mean, they have a running back. You know, Bradford Martin leads them in rushing, but they, you know, you go on their stat sheet, they'll have eight, nine different guys that carry the ball. That's really where their bread and butter is. They can control the clock. Um, and then allow that offense, you know, obviously Chase Lowry, you know, he uh, Curry Green's uh, completed the uh, Five passes last week with four to Chase Larry. Mm-hmm. So, it, it you know, that ground game opens up the passing game, but it all starts with the defense. And, uh, you know, if you – they're playing two game or two Frisco ISD teams, but they're from Division One. Mm-hmm. you know, so they're playing up, so to speak, in classification. And they've just, uh, just put the clamps on both. And, uh, you know, it has them sitting pretty going forward. I mean, you know, none of that counts as far as district goes, mm-hmm. but they're sitting there, you know, them, Lovejoy, and Lebanon Trail. Uh, the three of those teams are 2-0. Oh. and uh, Oh, wow. Yeah, Lebanon Trail in just their third varsity season. Now they they did start last year, you know, two and zero as well. Uh, but uh, you know, a little bit of surprise they took care of Burtner in their opener, thirty nine to fourteen, a six A program. Yeah. Uh, but I think last week, you know, kind of opened some eyes because they were able to beat Corsicana thirty four to thirty one. And yeah. Corsicana was a playoff team from a year ago, and uh, they were coming off a win over the Colony the week prior. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so um, again, obviously, the, the real season starts, uh, you know, this week, but. Uh, 
you know, Lebanon Trail, I, you know, Drew Martin's been efficient, mm-hmm. uh, you know, both passing and running the ball. And, uh, you know, that defense is, has done a solid job and made plays when they needed to. So, you know, that's this. they got an interesting game this week against Memorial, um, you know, a team that's one and one. Like they lost a heartbreaker in the opener to Justin Northwest uh, 21-20 when uh, yeah, last second touchdown. But they uh, were supposed to play Sunnyvale last week. Uh, that game got rescheduled, so they had to uh, – they scheduled Hallsville at the last second. So, you know, there wasn't a lot of specific work put in uh, to, for Hallsville. But, uh, you know, they were able to pull out a, a Saturday afternoon 34-24 game. And so they even their record – you know, at one and one, and uh, we'll see. You know, a lot of people have these teams. I guess if you look at preseason predictions, not ours, other people's predictions, <laughs> uh, had these teams at the bottom of the districts mm-hmm. uh, going forward. But um, you know, they, they both look solid. Uh, you know, same with you know Memorial with Ethan Lawler has done a really good job after starting on the taking on the starting quarterback role. Uh, they got a lot of different guys that have stepped up in the receiving game. Zion Steptoe is is really off to a good start, um, as Twitter will tell you. The highlight, I've seen highlights of him flashed up uh, quite a bit. <laughs> Um, and, and defensively, they've done the job. Um, several different plays. Uh, they have, I guess, four different players that are averaging 10 or more tackles. Um, and then Jake Herzog last week with three interceptions, including the game-winning pick six to seal it against Hallsville. So, you know, a game that might have flown under the radar early on. It's still the district opener. But, um, you know, both Lebanon Trail Memorial, they could be could be poised to make noise in that district race. You mentioned uh, Lovejoy as well. They're 2-0 to begin the year under a new head coach and Chris Ross. They just had their way with Sulphur Springs for... 48 to 13, that on the heels of a blowout win over Taps State runner-up John Paul II. Um, just more great stuff from that offense. Four more touchdown passes for Ralph Rucker, Reed Westervelt, Luke Mayfield. His top two receivers both went over 100 yards. Um, just some really inspired ball to begin the season. And yeah, them like Frisco, they're 2-0 and as well. And um, I'm not really sure I don't have the schedule in front of me, so I'm not sure when they play. But those two obviously can't rule out Denison, which was, you know, preseason projections had them as a top three team in that district. Um, it's setting up to be a fun little race, though. Anxious to see what um when that happens though what Lovejoy's offense can amount to against that Frisco defense as great as they've been um, to begin the season um, we also begin things over in the other Frisco district with 5-5-A division one as far as the powers that be in there Denton Ryan is Denton Ryan and they flex their muscles once again on Friday with a win over Denton Geyer in a really high profile game as well Lone Star despite being 0-2 they did show you know that they're you know they were able to at least muster a um, they looked on the level of Alito for sure a loss, thirty-four to thirty-two. So technically, it's an zero and two start. There's the wasp. There's the wasp. <laughs> wasp um, alert. <laughs> <laughs> uh, bit, yeah. I'm down just a little bit. I got you. No, it, but it's it, it's just it's so odd. Um, I mean, obviously, none of this matters. It's just so lo- odd looking at those. Uh, district standings and seeing obviously you expect to see Ryan yeah. you know up there but you know Wakeland and Heritage Heritage a little bit of a surprise at 2 and 0 but then every other team is is 1 and 1 except for Independence and Lone Star yeah. two teams that were that you expected to you know, be right there with Dent and Ryan um, you know albeit against tough competition yeah, but for sure. uh, you know it's uh, you know I, I thought uh, Lone Star you know, bounce back well. For sure. Uh, if not, we were kind of talking off, you know, before we started, you know, if not for JoJo Earl, one of the elite players mm-hmm. in Texas, that mm-hmm. he's probably the difference um, in that game. Uh, yeah, Lone Joe, Star was up in that game late too. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Lone Star se- seemed to get their offense on track. They got the, they, they got the balance they, they wanted between Garrett Rangel throwing the ball and Jaden Nixon, you know, who yeah, was big for bounce three, back game for Jaden for, for three touchdowns, you know, 114 yards and three touchdowns. So, yeah. um, you know, that's of all the 0 and 2 teams in our coverage area or really throughout the state, uh, Lone Star <laughs> is, you know, the least I think that should be concerned. Uh, you know, you could say the same thing 
to a certain respect with independence. Uh, you know, they lost 42-35 to Wichita Falls Ryder. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, this is a Ryder team that uh, was a regional finalist last yeah. year and returned 18 starters. So it wasn't a slouch. But, uh, you know, the, the positive for independence was that Braylon Braxton got on track over that, after that opener against Frisco that kind of bottled him up. You know, he had 330 total yards and five touchdowns. Um, so that's a, that, that was kind of inevitable. You mm-hmm. knew he would get that. That office is just too talented uh, not to be slowed down week in, week out. I guess the only the, the problem that I guess when you see uh, their gaming riders, they gave up 347 rushing yards. And so they were just getting gashed on the ground. So they fell behind early, and they would quick strike to come back, and they just couldn't stop. The ground game, kind of like an NFL game we kind of saw for three quarters yesterday. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, so, you know, that's something that they'll obviously need to to address. But the talent is certainly there, mm-hmm. especially on offense. Uh, you know, even though Independence and Lone Star are they're the only two mm-hmm. 0-2 teams, uh, you know, expect them to, uh, you know, yeah. rise to the top of the standings, uh, you know, as the season progresses. And I think they'll be right there, you know, as we go on. We'll also know with Independence, like they finished with 35 points, but it was a bit of an uneven 35. They only had 14 points through three quarters before finally getting it together there in the uh, in the fourth quarter. Um, David, you got a chance to see um, you know, at least a little mix of 5-5 AD1 and 7-5 AD2 in Frisco sure. Centennial versus Lake Dallas, a game that we all picked Lake Dallas on the picket yeah. line thinking they uh, you know just the momentum that they had built in that defensive effort against Denton might mm-hmm. carry over. It did not. They, uh, they <laughs> no. lost, uh, was it 38-15? to 15? Mm-hmm. Yep. 31 uh, unanswered points. 31 unanswered points. So, um, a little tough one there. So, what was yeah. um, just what was kind of your takeaway though from that game? Be it Centennial, you know, and their performance, or what Lake Dallas showed you. Um, I think it's good that they that they've got um, Jackson Marshall back in the fold. Yes, it's healthy. Like he Centennial, played last year, is. but he's healthy. That makes a huge difference for that offense right there. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, Grayson Davies. You know, he's he's good with that with that uh, quarterback run option right there. Mm-hmm. But I mean, to add the whole another dimension to Jackson Marshall, who can not only catch passes out of the backfield right there, but you know, dart for a touchdown right there. You know, on a on a running play. You know, that's 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 a dynamic one-two punch right there. That you know, if you put those two together, it you know, it's going to be tough to stop on some nights right mm-hmm. there. With um, let's see, we've uh, we've gone all this time and we haven't even mentioned our game of the week from last week. <laughs> yeah. Allen and Atascacita. This was not exactly cut from the same cloth as Plano McKinney the week prior for our game of the week selections. It was a very very highly anticipated game, but ultimately one that uh, you know, whether it was just one team playing its first game of the season versus a team that already had a game under their belt. Um, you know, this was um, Allen just did the Allen thing and they looked as as superhuman as, as ever 52 to 27 wasn't even that close this was a 52 to 14 ball game early in the fourth quarter um the big takeaway from this one though is that offense is as advertised um now you know going into this game the you know as young as Atascacita was you at least could look at the secondary and find some experience there and think that okay maybe they might be able to muster a little bit of resistance against the um you know that dynamic receiving core with Allen that um that was not the case General Booty the Allen starting quarterback did not throw an complete pass until midway through the third quarter. <laughs> he was a perfect 11 of 11 to begin the game. He was perfect in the first half. And I mean, a lot of it was, yeah, just the, 
the strength that they have on the outside with the uh, with the Green Twins. If your last name was Green, you had a great <laughs> game on Friday. I mean, um, you know, we've talked about obviously just the problems that Blaine and Bryson Green, the twin Oklahoma State commits, can cause. And I mean, they're, they're two receivers that you just kind of have to pick your poison, and that's essentially there was no there was no answer to that on Friday for them. You know, Blaine had 137 receiving yards, Bryson had 112, and oftentimes they were already a couple steps ahead of the defensive backs, and Booty just had to put it on target. And I mean, it was just a it was a walk, and they had five they had five receptions of at least 36 yards in that game, on top of just a combined 249 receiving yards. Um, just great stuff from the Green Twins. Again, Booty was he was hardly under pressure. They did some good stuff on some rollouts that he was able to execute to perfection. They um, their offense was was ter- was spectacular. Um, Jordan Johnson on the run game, he had over eight yards per carry, his usual high efficient um, you know run output. Um, again, this is an Atascacita ta- team that is still on the young side, and they did show some good things um, at least with their run game early on. They did, I mean, they, they put together a lot of really grinding, you know, 15, 16 play drives. They actually outsnapped Allen in this game. What is it, 103 to 56? God. And they put up almost 600 yards of offense. But again, this was you know early in the th- early, early in the fourth quarter. They only had 14 points to show for yeah. it. I mean, Allen was able to force a couple turnovers. They forced three turnovers on downs in the first half that helped things out. Um, and yeah, just a lot of bend don't break stuff from the defense. Just which was I mean more than enough cushion for that offense because they I mean the offense the starters could have frankly the way that game was trending they could have scored I mean whatever they wanted to it felt like um, so yes Allen's offense got a lot of experience back a lot of explosiveness at least two games in early on for sure but they were as advertised in their first big test of the season i think just the biggest takeaway though was just not just the what the offense showed you in their uh, kind of their ceiling and their potential this season but just encouraging to see that an allen team despite you know they have all the turnover and whatnot new quarterback basically a brand new defense personnel wise but they can still lock in and elevate their game for a high-level opponent, which is always, you know, you're curious to see because there's always going to be, I mean, I feel like every time, you know, early on when they've played a state-ranked opponent, you've at least, I've at least heard from somebody around the program, you know, be it a fan or a, an analyst or whatnot, think this is the week that someone gets us. <laughs> Whether it's just the you know, fans being fans and naturally being maybe a little pessimistic and whatnot, um, but, you know, Allen was able to, um, you know, talking to head coach Terry Gamble after the game, it wasn't so much what they were able to do on the field that impressed him, but even leading up to the game, he just thought that the practice was just, he kind of had a feeling that they were going to be in a good spot just based on how well the team had practiced. So um, just to see that all kind of materialize against a state-ranked opponent, um, now we'll see if they can do it again on Friday on the road versus a really good Cedar Hill team that's going to offer um, a completely different stylistic challenge, you know, than um, you know than what they had to worry about against uh, Gavin Session and more of a uh, more of a ground centric Atascacita offense because Caden Salter might be the best quarterback that Allen sees all season, so it's going to definitely challenge them in many uh, in much much different uh, different fashion. But so far, though, I mean, Allen passes its first test of the year with uh, with flying colors, though a fifty two to fifty a fifty two to twenty seven win over um, Atascacita. Let's see some other stuff that I had. Prosper. Prosper. As far as um, picket line regret from uh, from last week, it was um, this was the only uh, the only entry that I, fe- I came away from feeling some uh, some significant regret, and that's um, yeah, just not seeing this Prosper juggernaut that might be uh, emerging. Um, you know, I uh, I'll admit straight up that I was um, I was maybe uh, 
a little down on Prosper, at least leading into the season. Once I uh, once you learned that they lost one of the uh, you know one of the stronger pieces of their offense, and Tyler Bailey, who is the nine six A offensive newcomer of the year last season, a huge reason why that team was able to have the success that they did they did last year um, in the in the postseason and whatnot. Then you get word late in the offseason that he's now at John Paul II, and all of a sudden now you're left without a kid that was expected to kind of anchor your run game. He was going to be one of your top receivers. Coach Schmidt even talked about using him in the secondary a bit. I mean, they had plans all over for this kid. So to lose the piece like that, obviously you have to recalibrate parts of your identity, and it certainly looks different, um, you know, from what Prosper had going last season. But um, you know, then they had a bit of an bit of an up and down performance against Prestonwood. They were able to get the win, but it wasn't, you know, it was twenty seven to seventeen, not an overly convincing performance. They were actually trailing at points in that game. Um, you know, so then this all leads up to Thursday when they go on the road to play state ranked Euless Trinity. And you know, I just I feel like how many times over the years you've seen Euless Trinity have a lead in the fourth quarter and then just put that run game to use and mm-hmm. then just wear the opponent down, salt the game away, and it just feels like a fourth quarter deficit is the last thing you want when you're playing Trinity. And then Prosper goes out and they just took momentum right back from them. Um, I mean, it was I can't I can't recall in my uh, you know I'm now entering year twelve with this uh, with this company covering high school sports. I can't recall ever having seen a player who impacted all three phases of the game at like a minute span, like linebacker Mason Jolly did with Prosper there midway through the fourth quarter. So, you know, Trinity's got the ball with a seven-point lead in the fourth quarter. Prosper's defense finally shows a little bit of resistance. Mason Jolly's in on a tackle for loss, and they eventually leads to a, uh, that eventually leads to a punt. And then Jolly gets in. He blocks said punt, and then Prosper takes over at the Trinity two-yard line. He then scores a two-yard touchdown run, Mason Jolly, and then um, Prosper goes for two. Jolly wasn't in on the two-point conversion. That was Jackson Berry to Cameron Harpole. But then they get a 22-21 to lead. They're able to force a turnover on downs on Trinity's ensuing possession. And then Noah Billings ices the game with a 52-yard touchdown run with, um, you know, like 30 seconds to go. Um, just really, really impressive resilience from Prosper. Um, even early on in the game, you know, when they were, uh, you know, when Trinity finally got going there, they matched each, each Trinity touchdown with one of their own. Um, it's, you know, with, uh, with Prosper, they've, I mean, the talk in that district five, six, a is, I mean, it's Allen and Denton Geyer and still probably is, but this Prosper team though, is, you know, they were thought to kind of be maybe in a tier of their own right below those two, but performances like this, um, maybe they can put a little bit of pressure on them. And how about going for two? Yeah. Mm. Oh, I mean, how much, how much time was left when they when they? This was about. This was still with about six minutes left. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, but that, at that point, you know, Coach Schmidt said afterwards, it was like, I mean, it's a non-district game, so why not? But you know, that's, just, that's also an average Trinity possession. Oh yeah. Six minutes. So and you had to find some way to get the lead on them somehow, just because I mean, it's it's just they had been playing, you know, at a. Uh, I mean, they were either tied or trailing the entire game beforehand, and it's Trinity, so you know, if they get the ball back, what they're going to do, you know, they're just going to run the ball on you, and just at the very least. If you make them play at a deficit, it puts a little bit more pressure yeah. on them. Maybe you have to mix a little bit more of that passing game in there, to which, to their credit, the Trinity's play-action game was very, very effective. Um, you know, They were able to finally get a stand on fourth down when they were able to finally snuff out one of those play-action passes and force an incompletion. Um, but it was, I mean, I just came away really, really impressed by that Prosper defense, just doing something that not a whole lot of teams do, is like going into Pennington Field and then being able to out-Trinity Trinity in the fourth yeah. quarter. Um, so, yeah, really, really impressive stuff from Prosper. And, yeah, we all picked against them like morons.
Sorry, Pro- sorry, Prosper. <laughs> yes, let's all apologize to Prosper. I, I, I don't apologize. <laughs> you haven't apologized us for nothing. <laughs> well, um, let's see. Then we also had – I did have this note. So um, one of the teams that played its first game of the season was McKinney North, um, and they, uh, they renewed their rivalry with Justin Northwest. These two teams only know how to play one type of football game. <laughs> if you look back on the history between these two programs, Friday's game went the way of Northwest. The Texans won 63-59, to this despite a 245 five-yard uh, rushing performance from Jaden Smith. So, surprise, surprise, McKinney North has another great running back. That's <laughs> that part of the offense is working along just fine. But just these, them and Justin Northwest, it's like, you know, the, the, the poor deadline riders who get stuck covering these games because you now have, for the past five years, those two teams have combined for more than 100 points. I mean, it's, I mean, last year was 68 to 65. 2016, it was 69-46, you know, 50, you know, 56-46 in 2017. They played a really defensive-minded 34-31 to in 2018. And then, yeah, 63-49, to so 112 points once again between these two teams. They just they don't know anything else other than just an absolute Big 12-style shootout. Oh, man. Did I? Let's see. Did I have anything else? I didn't have anything else. Did you guys have anything else you wanted to add? Uh, I just want to give a big shout-out to um, Jason Nwu from Capel. Okay. Um, I mean, he's had over 100-plus rushing yards in each of the first two games right there. Mm-hmm. And then uh, last uh, on Friday, I mean, obviously, you know, K.J. Leggins is a big story receiving, but um, the way this game started out, you know, uh, Capel, like, you know, they, they had their first two possessions. They had, like, a – a holding call, then they had a, a, a sack on their first two drives. But on their third drive, uh, Jason Newell really got the offense started going with a couple of big, big runs, and then he had touchdown runs. So, um, to, you know, like it, it really seemed like it started to get Capel's some momentum right there. So, um, obviously, you know, heads, you know, hats off to him for another great game. Uh, obviously, the offensive line, if he's going to run for that much, you know, you got to give props to the offensive line as well too. Mm-hmm. Anything you wanted to add, Devin, before we sign off? I, one, one quick note, just uh, just because, and this was a game I was I kind of painted it to you from afar. Uh, Mesquite uh, lost lost uh, last week, twenty eight twenty six at South Grand Prairie a game. They they fell behind twenty one nothing. But uh, what stuck out to me is they I saw them the week before against Capel and they rotated quarterbacks. Uh, they started the game on a rotation last week, and it seemed like Chance Edwards might have stepped in and solidified his spot as the starter, which I think is important in that district because. Mm-hmm. That district, if you're going to compete for the championship anyway, you need offense because if you've seen – you mentioned Justin Northwest, McKinney North points. Have you seen what Rockwall and Rockwall Heath have been doing? I imagine it's probably not too dissimilar. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Rock, Rockwall's averaging 59.5 in their two wins over Ditton Braswell and Jesuit. Uh, Rockwall Heath, you know, beat Louisville week one, 72-52. And then last week they scored 57 but lost by two touchdowns because South Lake Carroll scored 72 yeah. on them. So, I mean, those quarterbacks are just putting up ridiculous numbers. And you look at the scores of the Mesquite games. They're scoring in the 20s. North Mesquite played Plano West, 28-14. Mm-hmm. Warren scored 10 points against Permian. Skyline scored three points. Of, you know, getting there, <laughs> And you're sitting there going, and then you look at the rock wall. It just – there's this huge difference in – and philosophies, and so we yeah. still have a couple of weeks before that district gets going. But uh, kind of curious to see how these uh, other teams outside of the Rockwell ISD schools try to maybe amp up their offense because they know it's going to be shootouts, you know, in three weeks when yeah. that district starts. Well, awesome, and that'll uh, let's see, that'll do it for this episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast. We'll be back on Thursday to break down some of the marquee games of the week, including our game of the week. To vote on that, you can go to our website at StarLocalMedia.com. Five very worthy selections up for consideration this week. So. Um, yeah, folks, until then, you take care, and we'll talk to you all later. Looking to hire top talent in your community? 
Look no further than StarLocalJobs.com. Our platform is specifically designed to connect local employers with qualified candidates in their area. With StarLocalJobs.com, you can easily post job listings tailored to your specific needs and requirements. Our platform is user-friendly and offers a wide range of options to help you find the perfect candidate for your open position. Plus, our job matching algorithm ensures that your listing is shown to the most relevant job seekers in your area. But that's not all, StarLocalJobs.com also offers a variety of resources to help you throughout the hiring process. From candidate screening to interview tips, our team of experts is dedicated to helping you find the right fit for your company. So why wait? Join the thousands of satisfied employers who have found their ideal candidate through StarLocalJobs.com. Post your job listing today and start building your dream team.